So I think one of the things that you have to process is that it actually takes quite a bit of time for the sea level to rise. So, you know, we see a lot of sci-fi films where uh, suddenly everything's underwater and nothing, nothing like that is going to happen any time in our lifetimes. Uh, but there are still huge impacts. And so one of the things that we, we have to bear in mind, and, and you just said this really well, is that um, the uh, Doomsday or the Swaites Glacier in Antarctica is really uh, just a cork for holding back much of the West Antarctic. Uh, and so there's a potential for a much larger sea level increase in the, the long term um, that could result from it. Uh, now, it takes a while for that ice to melt, even if it all breaks off. You know, as you've seen plenty of pictures of icebergs, it takes a while before they all melt. Uh, but you could see huge impacts just from a one-foot rise in sea level. Um, in fact, with the, the rise in sea level we've already had um, over the past few decades, you can go anywhere along the East Coast and you can see the number of what we call blue sky floods uh, just dramatically going up in many places. Uh, you know, along Atlantic City, um, parts of New England, parts of Florida, um, you regularly get uh, the infrastructure going underwater uh, whenever you have um, anomalously high tides, and that's just exacerbated by the, the sea level rise. So add another foot to that, and it makes the problem that much worse. Scott, when you say the word, and you use it a couple of times there, a while, your a while might be different than somebody else's a while. And I also know that it's tough to pinpoint on when this may happen. But is this something that could happen in the next 50 years, 100 years? Are we talking thousands of years? Well, the general, so, that, I mean, trying to understand how ice flows in Antarctica is really tricky because it's about the most inhospitable place to, uh, to study on the planet. Uh, but, you know, we can see steady rise in the amount of heat in the ocean. You could see a steady rise in water temperatures, which is slowly eroding ice. So uh, you certainly do have uh, a, a chance to see uh, quite a bit of sea level rise, you know, um, several inches to a foot um, in the span of the coming decades uh, with the possibility that, you know, next 100 or 200 years, you could actually have something a lot more substantial. Um, so, you know, it is obviously more than a while for us in terms of our lifetimes, but in terms of uh, setting things in motion, as you mentioned at the start, um, the Swaites Glacier is like a cork. Once you uncork it, uh, you really can't return that to its initial state very easily. So it's it's kind of setting some long-term processes in motion. Yeah, that's what people have to understand. Once that cork is popped, to say, and we use that term, for example, with that doomsday glacier, you can't go in and re reseal that. It's popped, and that means that glacier is flowing out. So that brings, when you say in motion, we're talking with Dr. Scott Sheridan, the department head of geography at Kent State University. When we talk about in motion, climate change, and I've been reading a lot about that, about the human effect on climate change, but overall, Scott, and I'll let you expand, that the planet Earth in general is going through that general warming stage as we know it. And I thought maybe you could jump into climate change, both what we are doing and also the planet itself. Well, a lot of, I mean, most of the vast majority of what's going on in the last, you know, several decades is because of us. I mean, there are, you know, there were hypotheses about natural cycles, but um, a lot of the stuff that was attempted to be connected to it, like solar cycles and all that, really never quite washed out. So, I mean, if you look at the last couple decades, um, we really shouldn't be warming um, in a natural world because the sun's activity hasn't really been particularly high compared to what it was a few decades ago. 
Um, so most of what we see is actually uh, done by us. Um, and so that ends up, you know, kind of presenting quite a bit of um, damaging impacts because a lot of the changes you make to the atmosphere are far um, faster on a geologic time scale than anything that ever happens naturally. I mean, the, the world has been warmer before. You'll hear that a lot. Um, that's certainly true. Uh, but if you look at the way we reconstruct climate, you look at the way we know what happened in the past, uh, we've not really seen changes this quickly happen to the climate system um, any time in, in history as best we can tell. Scott, when we look at, and we talked about Antarctica with the Doomsday Glacier, I was also reading about glaciers to the north, north of Alaska and stuff that used yeah. to be a glacier 10 years ago, and then they were showing pictures of most of that glacier now being a lake. You mentioned most of this is because of us and our habits. What are some of the things that we as humans are doing that contribute to this warming trend on this earth? Well, a lot of it just comes down to uh, greenhouse gas emissions, um, and you know that either comes from um, industrial activity uh, and also from deforestation. So anything that puts more uh, greenhouse gases, particularly carbon dioxide, in the atmosphere will will do that. And um, you know, it's it's one of the uh, the unusual things because we tend to think of pollution as something like smog that you can see. Um, and the, the visible stuff you can see um, tends to come out of the atmosphere pretty quickly. Uh, but carbon dioxide and methane tend to stay in the atmosphere for decades on average. And so when you, you throw that balance out, um, it's not something that, that can really change very uh, quickly uh, back to normal. And so, you know, you probably see a lot of stories saying even if we stopped all greenhouse gas um, emissions tomorrow, we would still have additional warming for decades to come because there's just that inertia. Uh, so there's there's a lot of stuff that we do that, that took a while to build up um, and would also take a while to spin down, which is what, what makes climate change such a really tricky issue, especially when you, you bring politics into it. Scott, the use of fossil fuels, you mentioned the release of the gases, but also sucking the fossil fuels out of the earth. Is that a contributing factor? Uh, depending upon how it's done, certainly. Um, you know, there's... Um, you know, with fracking, you can get some a lot of gas releases into the atmosphere that's not uh, combusted. Uh, so you could you could certainly also have have that happen. Um, there's even natural emissions, like you, you're mentioning Alaska before, where you have permafrost that has a lot of methane in it. And so as that starts to melt, uh, we start to see additional methane come into the atmosphere, which you know directly has nothing. To do with us because it was just there but indirectly because of the warming it does so there's there's a lot of additional sources you know aside from combustion itself that that kind of bring these these values up dr scott sheridan is with us again the department chair of the department of geography at kent state university scott as you make the presentation to the students at kent state university and you're talking about climate change you're talking about these glaciers and everything one what is your concern level and what is on the chalkboard of things you want everyone to know in regards to the topic climate change? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, so I think what I, I try to tell students is not to see everything in black and white. I mean, we, we tend to, you know, nowadays we tend to make everything seem um, like there's, there's no possible hope if we don't do A, B, and C tomorrow. Um, and I don't think that, you know, being defeatist like that is actually beneficial because I think that tends to make you more 
uh, likely to just give up. And so I think what I would say is, I mean, climate change is real. It's happening. Um, there will be worse implications to come. Um, we already see that with a lot of different things on the planet. Um, but also to, to realize that, you know, we, we have the ability to, to kind of navigate the future and try to, to help the situation out. Um, you know, a lot of uh, human systems uh, do have a, a capacity for resilience, and we have to understand that. We have to understand, um, you know, how we can change fossil fuel emissions, but also how we can adapt to uh, the new reality, uh, because that's going to be inevitable. And so I think, you know, when I talk to students, when I hear students, one of the main things they want to know is, you know, how can we do something for the future? Um, and, and just saying you can't is not helpful. I mean, there, there are ways we can go about this to, to try to uh, reduce our greenhouse gas emissions and also try to understand how best to adapt um, and help our society adapt. When we talk about wind turbines and we talk about EVs, I think in generally steps in the right direction, correct? Uh, yeah, I mean there are. I mean there's there's they're both controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, EVs obviously also have a lot of toxic chemicals that are part of the uh, the process of their construction. Um, so you know there's there's no free uh, there's no magic bullet here. I mean the you know you'll often hear that the the best way to reduce greenhouse gas emissions is to just consume less energy. But you know the reality, of course, is that that's probably very unlikely to happen, and it's not something you. Uh, you say as a political statement here in the U.S. So uh, there are ways to move forward, um, moving towards more renewable energies, uh, most certainly. Um, I think doing anything to kind of reduce our greenhouse gas intensity, uh, you know, the way we build cities here um, is pretty uh, car-centric. Um, I work in Kent. I live in Akron, and I, I bike to work many days, and I'm probably one of the few people that actually does that. And so it's, you know, it, it's very anomalous compared to many other places in the world. Um, but it's like you realize that the, the infrastructure is just not really built for us to, uh, to do something like that. 